go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to A Conversation with Friends. It is me, Mama D. Uh, thank you for tuning in to another week of craziness. Um, last week was a week from I have no idea where it was. There was some white stuff falling down in the sky. A lot of people had a lot. My guest said that he had like five inches on Halloween night. Like, no, no, don't want to hear that, don't want to hear that. People call me up and tell me these obscene things about that stuff falling from the sky. And I don't like winter. I don't mind winter if I could just stay inside and not have to go outside in it. But you have to go out, don't you? Anyway, my guest this evening is somebody new to me in a sense that most people who come on my show are my friends and I drag them kicking and screaming. But Rick Hale was kind of like, yeah, okay, no problem. And he was like, I don't know if he knows what he's in for. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Rick, thank you very much for agreeing to come on my show. Thank you so much for having me, darling. It is a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. It's going to be – this This here show is, is not uh, a regular – what everybody says. It's not a regular talk show. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's you and I sitting down, having a conversation, getting to know each other, and hopefully there will be people eavesdropping. And if they don't, well – Oh, we do have, we had one in there. We have Tracy. She's gone in the chat room. But I'm sure that, you know, there'll be people who listen in now and later. But I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to get sit here and get to know you. and Because and, you are an interesting person. You you oh, just you. drop little tidbits of information. Cause I, I, you don't have a, a bio per se of who you are. You have a bio of what you do. You yeah. are uh, a, the deputy editor of Mysterious Phenomenon. Wow, I got that word right. Uh, you're a native of Chicago. Um, you're oh, interested. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well, hold on, hold on one second. It's uh, SpookyIsles.com, where where I uh, what I write for primarily. SpookyIsles.com. Deputy editor. Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. Um, you. Are interested in anomalous phenomenon? Oh, you've got big words in this. <laughs> this no, it's, 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 uh, two, it's, it's two funny words to say. Anomalous phenomena. <laughs> anomalous phenomenon. Oh my God. Okay, you are that. Uh, since having a positive encounter with an apparition at an early age, Rick is an author. You're the geek's guide to the strange and unusual poltergeist, ghosts, and demons. Also, your latest one is Behold, Shocking Truth Tales of Terror and some other spooky stuff. Both can be found on Amazon.com. And I found them. Oh, good. (laughs) Not impossible to find. Uh, It was a little difficult, but I figured you out. I was looking on Amazon.ca first. That's where I was having my issues. And you have also been published by the Supernatural Magazine, Paranormal Underground Magazine, and have also appeared on Ghost Tapes, Two and several episodes of Ghost Tapes, this series on YouTube. Correct. I, I didn't do my due diligence and get links for it, but you know, everybody, it's not difficult. Put it up if you can't. If you can't find it, let me know. I will find. I can find pretty much anything. Just sometimes I get lazy. Okay. So, okay. First off, who is Rick the Man? Tell me about him. Rick the Man. Um. Rick the Man is a a fighter and a survivor mm-hmm. and a family man. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, and you know, as a survivor and a fighter, I've um, been through cancer twice and uh, you know lost a limb because of it. And um, you know, just kind of you know trying to fight my 
my, my way through all of it to to being well, and I'm very much a family man. Um, I'm married. I have a you know an adorable little eight year old. He's gonna be nine here oh, next gosh. month. Yeah, he's a vegetarian. Yeah, he is, and he's very much so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Pisces, so it's like I'm a little bit more uh, sensitive, and uh, I will admit I, I cry every week when I watch This Is Us on Channel 5, so. Aww. <laughs> so that is, uh, that, is, that is Rick the Man, a survivor and a fighter and a family man and a believer. Cool. And how long have you been married? Um, we just celebrated 17 years on October 18th. So tell me honestly now, does your wife deserve a medal? She does. Um, she is amazing. That I, I know that that is a word that oftentimes get, gets used quite a bit, but, um, you know, if it wasn't for her, I don't think I would be alive today. And that's mm-hmm. not hyperbole. That is, that is a, you know, an, an honest to God thing to say. Does she um, enjoy your wild side of the paranormal as well? No, she doesn't. She has absolutely no interest in it whatsoever. So she um, su- but she supports you wholeheartedly, and, and oh, of course, you know. I mean, we, we both have to go do what you got to do. Yeah, you know, we we both have our things. I have um, the uh, you know, I have psychical research, and she has um, she's actually. She's going through uh, school right now, uh, through nursing school, and uh, she has her chickens. <laughs> we keep we keep chickens. Oh, cool! And, that, and that's her jam. All right. Well, you tell her I said uh, oh, she's congratulations on going to school because I know that it's not an easy thing to do at no matter what age, but especially when you have a husband and, and a, a an eight year old. Yeah. Ram, making a big mess of your. Yes, I can see you, Tracy. Um, a big mess of your house when you <laughs> when you want to just say, "I need just five minutes." So it's not an easy he's thing. A, he's a he's, he's very he's a very discreet little boy, and he's you know he's very uh, very attentive, and um, you know so he's he's not he's not your typical eight, uh, rambunctious, all over the place, precocious eight year old. So wait till you hit that magic number ten. Yeah, well, that's what they say. I don't know what it is, but children, when they hit that 10, the exact day that they turn 10, the attitude seems to change. Now, people used sure. to think it was I was I was joking until their children turned 10. It's like, oh, my God. I said, look, I've been through it three times. They hit that 10, and something just, there's a switch that slips in their brain, and they just become preteens, and they've got so much attitude. And, and they're right. still respectful, but this, this, you can see the the... the Hey, I'm 10 now. I'm a double digit. I'm almost a teenager. So when you you said you got early, well, you didn't say, but your bio said you were interested in the paranormal when you got, when you had an early encounter, an encounter at an early age. How right. early and what was the encounter? Eight years old. Um, I was the uh, age that my uh, little boy is now. Um mm. Yeah, my my parents um my parents divorced um right about that same time. And uh my mom lived up in um in Lake County, Illinois, and my dad lived in Chicago. So I grew up, you know, between 
you know, between between Lake County and Cook County, Illinois. So I had, I had very much had the best of both worlds. And uh, my grandparents, they lived in this, um, you know, really old house in Franklin Park, which is on the uh, near northwest side. It's, it's one of those towns that if you just, if you walk a mile down the street, you're in Chicago city limits. So, but what happened is, is, um, you know, I got up in the middle of the night. Um, my, my cousin and I, we had just gotten done watching uh, the Cubs lose another game. And, um, <laughs> and uh, I got up to use the bathroom and, um, you know, I, I watched, my, my grandmother always kept the light on in, in the bathroom because the hallway, it didn't have a light in it, so she would leave the light on in the bathroom so we could mm-hmm. see where it is that we were going. So I'm walking, and then I see somebody kind of moving around in the bathroom, which was strange because my sister was home. My dad was at work. My cousin was sleeping in the front room, and my grandparents, they had a bathroom in their bedroom. Okay. So there was, there, there was no reason for anybody else to be in there. So I, I get a little bit closer, and all of a sudden this woman just walks out of the bathroom. I've never seen this woman before. My grandmother was a very short woman, and this was a very tall woman. And um, she turned around, and she looked down at me and smiled. And then she put her hand on, on my chin, and her hand didn't feel like a regular hand. It had kind of like a, um, I would say, almost a static electricity sort of feel to it. Okay. And uh, she just looked down at me, and with a really thick Irish accent, she said, my, what a fine boy. And mm-hmm. then I watched her as she turned and walked off towards the kitchen, and as she walked off, she just, she vanished. She disappeared right in front of me. And um, I told I told my grandmother about it the next day, and she said, "Oh, you don't have to worry about anything. That's just Mrs. McNett. I see her all the time." So my grandmother, she knew that this um, um, lady consciousness uh, was still in the house, and mm-hmm. Mrs. McNett was actually the wife of the man who owned my grandparents' building at the time, and he was still alive. And as far as I know, myself and my grandmother and my Uncle Luis, we're the only three people to have ever seen her. Mm-hmm. But everybody else who's ever visited the house always had, you know, well, we heard a voice, there was footsteps, there was like this weird cold spot that would move around. My cousin, um, my cousin Luis, he, uh, Jr., he, um, he, he used to say that he always felt like there was somebody standing in this foyer area and uh, he never really saw them but he could like feel the presence of somebody there okay. so it's like everybody knew even extended family knew that my grandparents house was you know for lack of a better term haunted yeah and that's what really set me off on um this voyage uh, so to speak Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that I did right away is I went to uh, the Chicago Public Library and, you know, took books out on, on ghosts and, you know, went to the Round Lake Beach Public Library, where you know, the town where my mom lived in, you know, and I took uh, books out from there, too. And, and I just, I really had to understand at what it is that I had seen. 
And, you know, very quickly, I've always been a very quick study, even as a child. I knew very quickly that what I had seen and experienced and interacted with was a ghost. Hmm. So you still live in the area of of Chicago and where you where you were born and raised, basically. Well, yeah, we 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 live a little bit. Um, we live, I would say, roughly thirty miles north of Chicago. Okay, because I noticed on your Facebook page you talk about uh, pub crawls, and mm-hmm. you showed this 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 lovely house, and I was like, I saw it, and I went. Ooh, I'd like to live there. Uh, for me, a certain house draws my attention the way they are on the yeah, outside. And then I was reading it, and you went, something about the second floor is very haunted. I was like, well, they can stay upstairs. I'll stay downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's, that, you know, that, that's what's great about a city like Chicago. And Well, what's not great is that there's been a um, a great deal of tragedy yeah. that has, you know, caused so many different places in the city to be haunted um, and, and the surrounding areas, of course, to be haunted as well. But um, it, it's really great for myself as an investigator and as a writer that I can go and and visit these places. They're within, you know, an hour drive of my house, and I can just go and visit these places and uh, learn everything that I could possibly learn about them and then share that with the rest of the world. Because I think that these stories, they're, they're, I, I do believe that there is truth to a lot of these stories. But at the same time, they're legends and they're folklore. And these legends and these folklore, when you retell them, more people learn them. And, they, and, and, our, and these stories, which is, you know, our stories mm-hmm. as a human race, um, they move on to, uh, you know, a new generation of people that will become interested in this kind of stuff. I always try to encourage um, other writers and other authors. I always tell them, it's like, please, tell your story. Tell these stories. Be a part of the story so that other people can learn, you know, where it is that we that we as, a human, we as human beings came from, where we're at, and where we're going to one day go. Um, I think that's very important. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, do you encourage, does, has your son ever asked you or questioned you about what you yes. do? Yes, absolutely. He, he asks questions. It's not really so much, it's not really so much his thing mm-hmm. just yet, but, um, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that one day it is, but if not, you know, he's Theo, that's my son's name, Theo is going to be whoever and whatever it is that he wants to be. If he wants to carry on in his old man's shoes, awesome. If he doesn't, then, you know, hey, whatever it is that he wants to do in life, that's up to him. Yeah. It's rare these days, I find, that, well, a little more now, but that parents will still say, you know, uh, share uh, their experiences with their children uh, when it comes to the, the paranormal or metaphysical or whatever um because a lot of parents like for parents who don't who aren't in the field like you're a you're a paranormal investigator and i'm just a nosy old woman but my children ask questions and i'll answer them to my best of my ability and but i was brought up with 
you know, that's, that's silly, that's nonsense. You have an invisible friend, you're done, it's over, grow up, that type of thing. But I think it's well, great that those of us who are now, who are accepting everything that we're learning and seeing and whatever, that when we share with our children and grandchildren. <laughs> well, yeah, I grew up, I grew up in a, um, in an evangelical Christian family in that, you know, religious tradition. Um, so I didn't, I didn't all, my, my, my parents, my, my mom primarily and my mom's family, they didn't really like the things that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I, I tried to play along with the way that they do things, but, you know, it just didn't take because I, I know what I've experienced. I know what I've seen. I know what I've heard. And, um, you know, nobody can really tell me otherwise. I know that consciousness survives the death of the body mm-hmm. and for whatever reason decides to remain. That's true. Some people think that um, when they're gone, they're gone. And and I believe there there's a friend of mine who says that we are just, we're just a body. We're just a meat sack. We're just like a car. You know, when your car dies, the driver, your soul, finds a new car. Yes. You know, and some souls just hang around and, and teach those of us who come into contact with them, you know, about who they were and how they lived and things that, and it's, if you're not open to it, if you're not open to, like a lot of people go, well, I don't, I don't understand. I don't hear. I don't see. You don't have to hear and see. Just, Sit and listen, and sometimes it comes to you without not actually in your ears, but right. it's a knowing, which is you know. And you know what, Darlene, and that's okay because this is not a religion, no. and I'm not here to proselytize you. You know, I actually had at this this happened at a wedding. I actually had somebody who who knew that I was a storyteller of the paranormal, and that I was a writer and an author and an investigator of these um of this phenomena they actually came from across the room at a wedding reception and said to me you know ghosts don't really exist and i looked at them and i said i don't care <laughs> you know because, because it's, like, it's like i don't it's like i i understand where you're coming from i understand your skepticism and it's like i respect that but I understand. I also, I, I, I also know the things that I've seen, mm-hmm. and I, I can't. I'm not going to allow somebody to, um, you know, say, well, no, this is what you saw and this is what you heard. It's like, no, nah, dude, you weren't there. Right. You know. So, but it's like, like I said, this, this is not a religion. I'm not out to proselytize anybody. If you don't want to believe in ghosts, mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. I don't care. I really just don't. Yeah. And, um, you know, but when somebody calls me and to, to come to their house, I've always spe- I've specialized in um, uh, private home investigations since uh, 1991. Uh, first investigation, I was 17. And um, I've specialized in that kind of investigating. And I oftentimes joke that, you know, if, you, if, you, if, if I'm in your house, chances are it's because you wanted me there. And, um, but that's true though, because, yeah. you know, I am there for that person. I am there for the purpose of trying to 
um, help them understand what it is that they may or may not be experiencing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as an investigator, I'm there for that person. And as a storyteller, I'm there for anybody who cares to read. I'm going to have to find SpookyIsles.com and start reading. Now, SpookyIsles.com is interesting because it is primarily all about the United Kingdom and Ireland. Um, (laughs) I've never been there. (laughs) But, you know, when I was a kid growing up, the books that I found um, were all English ghost stories and English hauntings. So I, you know, I have had a fascination with, with, um, with, with the English ghost story since a very early age. So um, I've never actually been to England. I've never been to Ireland or Scotland or, or Wales or anything like that. But, um, you know, if you go there, you'll find you know, a lot of different things that I've, you know, written about uh, the places, uh, um, especially about haunted hotels. So, you know, enjoy. Well, you like when, when you're ready to go over there, I have mm-hmm. enough friends over there that will make sure um, that you'll get to see a whole bunch of fun places. <laughs> yeah, I, have, I have a bunch of friends too that I'll, yeah, and I'm sure that they, I'm sure that they would want to do that as well. Yeah, it's it's funny how we connect. A lot of people say, "Oh, Facebook, really? You're on Facebook?" But I have met so many great people through Facebook, and so and it's it's just it's wild the connections that you can make without you know like. Yes, Facebook can be very intrusive, but it depends on what you put out there. And everything I put out there, if you don't like it, it's not my problem. It's your problem. I put it out there because that's what I do. Yeah. But um, you and meet so many great th- people and you learn so many things. Sure. And, you know, and, you know, and the things that you put out there, that's why I only really put stuff on my Facebook page that are things that I've written. Um, I, you know... No, no, nobody cares about my about my political ideology or you know my stances on certain things. So it's like I just I I just want to um, keep it real, mm-hmm. so to speak, and just you know put things out there that you know that I, that that I write and you know that I I hope that people like. And you know, and I always get people asking me like, Rick, why do you do this? Do you like make money off this? And it's like, no, I do it because I love to. Yeah. That's the thing. There's there's enough people out there talking about politics and religion and this, that, and the other thing, that what you do, only you do. I mean, there may be other people who write, and and but but there's only one Rick Hale, one person who writes the way you write and shares what you share. And this is this is something that you can, you know, you're not teaching people per se, but you are allowing them to learn from your from your viewpoint, from your trials and tribulations and. When you trip, you share people that, you know, okay, this one didn't work or whatever the case may be. And that's what a lot of people don't get. It's like, you know, why did you put that up there? Because it's something that I believe in. It's something that I've thought that might be one person out there who get, you know, get sit there and go, aha, that's what it is. Or that's, you know, and that's what I think is very important, which a lot of people don't do. And also, I'm very much about sharing. So a lot of people don't like that. I don't give a shoot. <laughs> well, like me, I like like I said, I love telling stories, mm-hmm. and I love telling stories about um, about England, the hauntings in England, and I I love telling stories about you know my my my, my hometown of Chicago, Illinois. You know, I just love 
telling the, the, the history and the ghost stories and keeping all that stuff alive and passing it on to others. And hopefully, like I said, they can take it too and run with it and write more books and write more articles and keep those stories going. I think that's mm-hmm. important. If you had to choose one place in Chicago mm-hmm. to tell me about, what would it be? Where would it be? Well, um, my absolute favorite haunt out of literally dozens would have to be Bachelors Grove Cemetery in Midlothian, Illinois, which is on the south side. So tell me about it. Oh, Bachelors Grove Cemetery, um, it's, it's actually – it, it has become legendary, uh, not just in the Chicagoland area, but outside of – everybody knows about Bachelors Grove Cemetery. Um, it was founded sometime in the 1820s. And uh, the reason it's called Bachelors Grove is, is because back then there was a, uh, um, a large number of young German men that came to that area of Illinois. And what they did was is they built the railroad. And they built, um, you know, up, up a lot of the area that was around there. And they were unmarried. So they needed a place to bury, you know, um, the young unmarried men who, you know, died in unfortunate accidents while building mm-hmm. um, the railroads. So they founded Bachelors Grove Cemetery. But there's also another story that says that it's based off of the name of a, a name of a local family called Batchelder. Whichever the story is, um, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things that's been lost to history now. Mm-hmm. So Bachelors Grove Cemetery um, is easily the most haunted place that I've ever been in. Um, in fact, I was just there uh, last month. Um, uh, my good friend and colleague, I was there with my good friend and colleague, Michael Kravchek, and uh, his two kids. And uh, we took um, video, and actually I'll put it up on my Facebook page again, the video that uh, the videos that we did. But, um, yeah, Bester's Grove Cemetery is has a, has a very long history of being haunted. Um, one of the most famous ghosts that haunts Bester's Grove is the uh, White Lady. We actually have our very own White Lady like they have over in the United Kingdom. And um, she has been seen and experienced walking around the uh, cemetery, and she's supposedly looking for her um, her infant child that died before her. And a very famous picture was taken of her by a member of the Ghost Research Society, which is uh, Dale Kazmarek's um, uh, longtime paranormal group. It was taken back, I think, in the late 80s or the early 90s. And it shows this apparition of a woman sitting on a gravestone. And, you know, and everybody that sees this picture, um, it just defies logic. And, um, you know, if you look it up, just Ghost Research Society, White Lady of Bachelors Grove, you'll see this amazing picture of this uh, woman sitting on a tombstone. But, um, you know, another great story that I really love about Bachelors Grove is the uh, disappearing farmhouse. Now, the disappearing farmhouse, there is this white old farmhouse that will appear and disappear in different areas of the um, of the of the cemetery. And it's said that if you approach this house and you walk in the front door, you will be whisked uh, whisked away to the uh, 
to the afterlife. Nobody will ever see you again. And they, it's believed that this house belongs to a farmer who killed his family and then killed himself before the cemetery was established. And um, so this, this farmhouse just appears. It's just a spectral farmhouse. And a third great story concerning Bachelor's Grove, there is this adjacent pond. And uh, it's just this murky old swampy pond that sits right off the cemetery, between the cemetery and the Midlothian Turnpike. And um, allegedly back in the 1920s and 30s, this pond was used as dumping ground for Al Capone and his uh, Southside Chicago outfit. And, um, yeah. Um, and they would, you know, they would, you know, whack people and, you know, stoolies or, you know, rival gang members and dump their bodies into this, um, into this murky old swampy pond. And, um, you know, people have seen the apparitions of men in, you know, what they describe as being 1920s, 1930s style suits and hats near this pond. They just appear and then disappear. So, you know, there, the, the thing about Bachelors Grove Cemetery is, is I do, I absolutely do believe that it is haunted. And, um, one of the things that makes me believe this is, is a number of years ago, it was probably about five or six years ago, I took a, took an EVP there. And in, on the EVP, electronic voice phenomenon, I'm, I know everybody's familiar with that by now, but you can clearly hear a man's voice say, let the mother effer feel the pain. So I'm thinking that this was like some kind of echo of the past of, you know, some nefarious business being, you know, taking place there with uh, with some gangsters. So mm-hmm. that is one of the things that really leads me to believe that this cemetery is truly haunted. And also the picture uh, from uh, Dale Kazmarek's, uh, uh, Kazmarek's uh, Ghost Research Society. And, uh, but also too, you, it, it's difficult to separate the urban legend from historical fact and historical haunting. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you get a lot of stories about the place, you know, satanic rituals that, you know, allegedly happened there. And, and that that's not what happened at all. A lot of people, they would find, you know, old, um, you know, old hippies would hang out in the place and be, you know, doing drugs and stuff like that. And they would leave their paraphernalia behind and people found them like, Oh my God, look, this is satanic paraphernalia. <laughs> and, you know, and, it, and it's nothing of that nature, but, mm-hmm. you know, for the longest time, because of that, it was, uh, heavily, um, patrolled by okay. the, um, by the uh, Cook County Sheriff's Police. But now, thankfully, thanks to, um, preservation societies, the place is open once again where people can go and enjoy, um, a really important part of Chicago's history. As well as you know, haunted history. Hmm. I'm listening about stories through places I've never been. That is some place that I would like to go now. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. You know, we have so many different places. Um, the 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 place that I just uh, wrote about today and put on my Facebook page, the Glesner House in uh, Prairie Avenue. Um, that's supposedly haunted by the man who designed in and build the house, um, Henry Hobson Richardson. 
Um, other places that are great in the city, uh, the uh, site of the uh, St. Valentine's Day Massacre on Clark Street on the near north side. Uh, it, back then it was the SMC Cartage. Today it's just an open field. And I've been to this place. I, I've walked past this open field a hundred times. Never experienced anything myself, but dozens of people who claim to have had experiences seeing um, the apparitions of the of the seven men that were killed in the SMC Cartage in 1929. So we have just so many wonderful places in this in this town. Um, that, that's, that's just open to the public and then anybody can go and, and learn about the history of the place. And we also have some great uh, tour companies in Chicago as well. You know, one of the best um, is uh, Chicago Hawkins Tours. And I'm actually going on uh, one of their tours at the end of this month with a, with a friend of mine, um, the Tinker Swiss Cottage up in Rockford, Illinois. And it, it's going it's to be a wonderful time. So, you know, if, if you ever come to the city of Chicago, if your listeners ever come to the city of Chicago, you, you know, you can hit me up on Facebook. You can email me and just ask me, hey, Rick, where do you think that we should go if we really want to learn about your haunted um, haunted locations across the city? Well, I'm going to check out this Chicago haunted, haunted, haunting tour. Hold on, my mouth doesn't seem to want to work tonight. <laughs> Chicago hauntings tours. There you go. And um, I think that for me, that's something again. I will will take take a look at and I will share it. So a show with me doesn't end just there. I I take notes when you talk and I pay attention. I'm not okay. sleeping in the I'm not sleeping in the green room. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I'll take notes and then I'll I'll find things and I'll continue to share. Um, one of the things on your Facebook page is um, the Lincoln Park Zoo. There's a zoo that's haunted. Yes, Lincoln Park Zoo. Lincoln Park is one of the more affluent neighborhoods in Chicago. Okay. It's, it, it, it's a beautiful neighborhood. You know, the, the homes are, um, you know, they're, they're, they're big. They're Victorian, many of them. But at one time, um, that area where Lincoln Park and Lincoln Park Zoo um, is currently was a huge burial ground. It was like the city's burial ground. Okay. And thousands of bodies were buried there. There was a huge cholera outbreak. Um, right. I, I think it was, I do believe that it was right before the, the uh, Great Chicago Fire of 1871. And um, so there was thousands of people, hundreds of people that were buried in this, in this area. And, um, so people actually, they started to become very afraid that cholera was going to, um, like the, like the uh, decayed bodies were going to leak the cholera into Lake Michigan and that it was going to cause an even bigger cholera outbreak in the, in the Chicago um, area. So they were like, so we need to move these bodies away from the lake. But fate stepped in one day in 1871 when the Great Chicago Fire happened and basically wiped out every single um, tombstone and grave marker in this huge city burial ground. So they were like, well, there's really not much that we can do, so we're just going to build on top of these bodies. <laughs> so now, you, uh, you know, you get... 
you got to love Chicago politics. And not, mm-hmm. not much has changed in the last, you know, 150 years or whatever. But it's still a wonderful city. Don't, please, don't, don't, um, don't, don't be mistaken by what I say. So they, they decided they're like, you know, we're just going to build this neighborhood on top of these bodies. And there's thousands of bodies. So when they built um, Lincoln Park Zoo, which actually started out, and it was with uh, two peacocks that were, um, um, yeah, two, two peacocks that were given to them by the city of New York, and that started off Lincoln Park Zoo. And over time, people started noticing that there were really odd things that were happening. Uh, one of those places, for example, where there is a lot of activity seems to be the Lion House, which is what you come to right as you enter into um, into the zoo. And there is a woman that is seen um, around the uh, around the big cat and around the uh, Lion House, mm-hmm. and um, she is wearing very out of date clothing. Obviously, she's wearing clothing that a one that would have been fashionable for a woman to wear in the 1870s and the 1880s. And uh, so people see this woman either in or around the um, around um, the uh, big cat house. And uh, they see her, and then they don't see her. She just disappears. So, you know, she is basically the most famous ghost that is said to haunt uh, Lincoln Park Zoo, but there are many, many others. There used to be a bridge that was over a... It was over the creek that used to connect the zoo with the rest of Chicago, and it was called Suicide Bridge. And it wasn't uncommon to see um, Chicago police or Chicago parks and sanitation out there cleaning bodies out of this out of this you know body of water. So a lot of people seem to believe that this could be another origin of the hauntings that are said to take place at Lincoln Park Zoo. I did have an experience myself at Lincoln Park Zoo. In the uh, in the lion house, I went downstairs to use the bathroom, and while I'm standing in the bathroom, all of a sudden I hear a man's voice, and all he says is "Hey you." And I look around; I am the only person in the bathroom that could possibly that, that that was breathing. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, I've I've walked away from that thinking it's like okay. I heard a disembodied voice of one of the uh, spectral inhabitants of Lincoln Park Zoo. But I mean, can you can you imagine how that must feel to these to these people? That's like, you know what? We're sorry, we can't dig up your body, we can't move them away. So we're just going to build an entire community over your over over thousands of dead bodies. And um, yeah. you know, that's unfortunately that that's what happened with Lincoln Park Zoo and the rest of Lincoln Park as a whole. Wild. I mean, you hear about these things. For me, you hear about these things that native burial grounds are, are built on top of, and 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 stuff like that. But it's it's rare that you hear of like an affluent neighborhood that started on the burial ground on top of of uh, this is literally building on the backs of the poor. Sorry, right. had that moment. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, yeah. What's cool is that. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and there this um, th- there was an area that was known as a potter's field in the uh, city mm-hmm. burial ground, where they would just dump hundreds or even thousands of bodies that 
you know, people that couldn't afford the big fancy uh, marble or, or limestone mausoleums or, you know, they couldn't afford to be buried with their family or they just didn't have a family at all. So mm-hmm. they got sued. <laughs> they got <laughs> I apologize for that. Um, so, you know, they, they couldn't, you know, afford to have proper burials. So they just were buried in this potter's field. So, yeah, that's, that's why Lincoln Park is easily um, – the most haunted neighborhood in the city of Chicago. Interesting. Um, before we started the show, I said that there was a house on your Facebook page that I loved. I loved the way it looked. And um, since you were talking about a few of the other places, I had to go back and find the name of it. It is the Frank Shaver's, Shaver's, ah. Frank Shaver Allen House. That's I correct, think yeah. the out outside, and I'm looking. <laughs> I took my phone. I'm looking at it, and I love the way it looks. I love, for me, I love the feel of that look. Yeah, and, that and I get good. to look in the house. I get to look in some of the rooms because you have a few pictures. But you said that the upstairs, if I remember correctly, the upstairs is the most haunted part of it. Yeah. See, and and that house was was also built by um, uh, Henry Hobson. Um, Henry Hobson Richardson, who popularized the architectural style of Richardsonian Romanesque. And um, he he built that house for himself to live in, but unfortunately he never actually lived in it himself. So uh, Frank Allen Shaver moved in. And um, there, after that family moved out and other people started moving in, they started having some really intense uh, paranormal experiences in this home one of them being a poltergeist and, um, you know, witnessing apparitions around the house and, um, you know, having this poltergeist throwing plates around and furniture around. And, uh, you know, from what I understand, that it's actually on the market as we speak. So if you want to come to Joliet, Illinois, and buy this house, you know, I guess. Well, here's a a little connection here. That's in Joliet, Illinois. I live near Joliet, Quebec. So, oh, really? Yeah, okay. a little bit differently, but uh, but yeah, trust yeah. me. I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at the, the the rooms, and I'm going, okay, that fireplace needs to be clean. This room needs to be clean because it's coming out there. And I was like, mm, my husband will never move in that there's ghosts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's haunted. He doesn't like me. My husband supports me for what I do and and the connections that I make. But he, he's like, no, he says, I'll sit here and, and watch TV and, and do my thing and you can do your thing. <laughs> yeah. So he's, but I, and I have never been on an investigation. I know eventually I will get to one and I know exactly mm-hmm. the team I'm going to be working with because unfortunately they have, they have, I trust them <laughs> way too much probably. Um, do you work in a team? I don't actually. Um, you know, I'm just now starting to get back out in the field, um, you know, mm-hmm. just so your listeners understand. In 2016, I was diagnosed with a uh, rare form of cancer, and I lost my left leg below the knee. I, I wear a prosthetic, and I get around just as good as I did when I had a natural leg. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's funny. It's like when, when I wear jeans, I just look like a guy with a slight limp. So, But uh, – as far as working with the team, no, I've never. The only time I've ever worked with the team 
um, was about 10 years ago. Um, it was the um, McHenry County Paranormal Research Group. And I quit them because I like small groups. Mm-hmm. I like myself, just myself and an assistant. And um, I also have, have made it a practice of, of working with um, psychics and mediums mm-hmm. over the years. Um, I've met, you know, I've been investigating since 1991, and I've met literally dozens of people who claim to have the gift, but I can count on one hand, the people that I've actually know and that I've worked with that do. And um, so, you know, it's, it's very kind of, it's kind of difficult right now here in the United States uh, trying to get investigations because, I mean, there there are literally thousands of groups in this country. I mean, in, in Chicago alone, there's like 50 paranormal research groups. And um, so it's, you know, sometimes it, it gets a little bit hard to, um, you know, get your name out there and, um, you know, so you can do your business as an investigator. And mm-hmm. that's fine. I mean, you know, right now I'm, I, I love investigating. Um, I will do them when they come along. I'm very picky, not only about the investigation that I do, but I'm very, very extraordinarily picky with the people that I work with. Okay. So, um, yeah, you know, I, 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 I was just out at Bachelor's Grove and a couple other different haunted places on the south side of Chicago about a month ago and going to uh, the Tinker Swiss Cottage with Chicago Haunting Store at the end of this month and um you know it's it's been a it's been a long road and but i'm confident that i'm going to get back out there and be more than just a storyteller i happen to agree (laughs) (laughs) just it it it, it's it's meant to be because you have this way of telling a story as nothing is do you tell your stories to I can see you sitting there like uh in a library with a group of mm-hmm. kids teaching them about these things because they're not just stories they're 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 stories but they have they have meat behind them they have you know these kids can go out and learn they're going to listen to what you have to say and then go out and ex- explore on their own to the fact to the to the point that now they're going to go paranormal investigating at the age of eight and ten, but it'll give them it'll it'll it's like planting that seed. Yeah. So is that well, something that you? Sure. You know, I, you know, I, I like to make, um, you know, when when I write, I like mm-hmm. to make it very family friendly. So basically, anybody can read what I write. My uh, my son read my second book. Oh. And, um, yeah, he, he loved it. Yeah, we we uh, last year we homeschooled him. And um, and that was his reading assignment for the year was reading my book and, and you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I loved it. But you know, it's like when I write, um, the the reason that there is meat and and, and uh, you know and a lot of information concerning it, uh, whatever I write about, because I can't, I don't just sit down and write a bunch of words. Mm-hmm. I have to feel yeah. what I'm writing. That's my yeah. process. I have to feel. I have to. I have like a list of things that I want to write about, mm-hmm. and then I go through the list and I pick out one each time, and I have to be able to feel what it is that I'm writing. Like it just has to. It has to naturally flow. If there's no flow, 
then it just comes off as, as disjointed and disingenuous. And it's like, I don't want, whatever I write, I don't want it to be like that. I want it to come across as like, across as something, this is, this is what you're going to learn. And uh, this is the story and this is the legend, you know, concerning these things. So, um, yeah, I, I really hope that it, that, that it comes across like that. Well, I'm now listening to the way you tell the stories, the way you explain things. I'm definitely going to have to get a hold of one, if not both of your books, so I can read them. And for me, I have to, it's, it's strange. I know people go, well, say the trees, read it online. No, I have to have the book in hand. Yeah, I you know? the same way. I, I can, I can, I, when I do courses, um, the people will send me what I need and a PDF. I will print it out. <laughs> Unless, right. of course, it's 300 pages, well, then we'll have an issue. But, you know, I would rather, I would need to have the paper in my hand. I need to have the book in my hand. So that's one of the things um, I'll, I'll let you know when I get the book. Great. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Yeah. Um I hope you enjoy. Oh, I'm sure I will, because I'm enjoying the way you're telling the stories now, the way you're sharing. And I don't think it's actually telling the stories, but sharing your knowledge. And it, to some people, like to you, you call yourself a storyteller, but I think you're sharing your knowledge, you know. And a lot of people, this is my thing, is a lot of people think it's like, you know what, it, I'm not a teacher, but it's almost as if it's a bad word to be a teacher, you know. But mm-hmm. in this sense, you are teaching people without, you know, standing at the head of a class and, you know, giving them homework assignments. Cause I don't do homework, um, after I see. Uh, but yeah, I you're, do that. yeah. But it's, it's, you're giving them something that will, like I said, you plant the seed and then you help them. Tracy says, Rick, send Mama D book. Thanks, Trace. What, what did she say? She said, send Mama D the book. I'm sorry, what again? Send Mama D the book. Oh. That's no kidding. I have friends in low places and high places and sneaky little ones too. Um, but you, like I said, you you make people want to learn more. Oh, well, I mean, I, you know what? I, I hope I, I hope that that is that that, that people do uh, want to learn more, and not just about the ghost stories, but you know about other areas of yeah. um, of, of psychical research. Um, I, I I have written quite a bit on things uh, like theory, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I I love. Um, psychic ability. I'm, I'm not psychic myself by any means, but it is it, it's it, it's something that I enjoy studying, and I've, and I've written about you know extensively in the past. Also, you know about poltergeists, and poltergeists are not ghosts. Poltergeists are just out of control um, psychic ability with a person that is underneath a great deal of uh, psychic stress. And you know, so so it's not just it's not just the stories that that I uh, that I tell. It's also the things that I've learned over the years, and that's what my second book, um, "Behold, Shocking True Tales of Terror and Some Other Spooky Stuff." Um, that's what that's about. There, there, it's it's set up in chapter and lesson. So you get a chapter that talks about my own um, personal investigation into a into a haunting or an alleged haunting. And then you go into the lesson where, you know, I talk about some of the things that I've that I've learned over the years as an investigator and as a researcher. And, um, you know, it was just one of those things that just 
you know, flowed naturally. Again, I felt what I wanted to write. Yeah. Which is good. And and like you said, you're not here to change anybody's mind. And a lot of people would be like, well, how can you prove this? You don't have to prove it to anybody else but yourself. And you had that encounter, that, that whatever the case may be, to the point that it proved it to yourself. And everybody else, excuse my language, but everybody else be damned. You know, because a lot of people are, well, you have to, you know, you have to prove it. You know, uh, we have a mutual friend, um, Jay Lynch. He says you cannot prove some things scientifically, but you you can't disprove it to the person who it happened to. Like when you saw the lovely Irish lady, you cannot prove it scientifically, but you cannot tell you, Rick, that young boy, that that did not happen. Because they can't see it. You know, nobody else can see it. You know. Yeah. And, you know, and, and there was a while, there was a, a while there where people really sort of discounted the personal experience mm-hmm. um, for the scientific evidence. And I think that there was a lot of um, misunderstanding due to things that were on, you know, paranormal television shows. I think there was a huge misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. And, um, but without the personal experience, why bother investigating? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's it's that it's that it's that personal experience which is which is the most important and the most key because it spurns that curi it, it gets that curiosity going and it gets you into wanting to look more into these things and have more experiences that, you know, back up what it is that you claim to have experienced and that, you know, maybe you can find some kind of evidence to show the world that, hey, these things in fact do exist. Mhm. Very, very true. <laughs> and yes, Tracy, Tracy in the chat room, the one who said send me the book, she says because then she'll share it with me when she's done reading it. I'll think about sharing it with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I love the fact that that, like I said, for me, I didn't know who you were to begin with, and I and I try not. Unless you're a friend that I've known through Facebook for a while, and you know, I try not to do too much research on the finding out who you are. But you are impossible to research, and I'm glad because I enjoy everything that I've learned so far. That you are you are an uh, an awesome dad and husband, and your wife deserves a medal because you actually admit it. Some men don't, but um, and and I like the fact that you gave your son your book to learn as his reading. Reading assignment for that year, I think that's like okay, here read yeah. it. And, you know, he enjoyed it. But you know, another good thing too is is that there's so much un, you know, ungodly amounts of drama in the paranormal mm-hmm. field. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm and I'm learning that. I absolutely refuse to be a part of that. You know, I've been involved in this field uh, one way or the other for a very long time, and I. I have absolutely no interest in being part of, you know, this, this, you said this and this person said that and now that they've, um, <coughs> and, you know, and they, they've unfriended me or, or, you know, blocked me or whatever. I, I or you're I friends have, with somebody who I don't like, so I'm going to unfriend you. Mm-hmm. I, I have no interest of being part of that. So, I mean, th- that's probably a good thing that you can't really find a lot about me concerning that. <laughs> I, I just, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I, I let my work speak for itself. Yeah. 
No, and it's true. Yeah, and, then, and, 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 you know, and, and as a writer and a storyteller and investigator, that really is, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's what it, that's all you can do is let your work speak for itself. Very true. And be, and be honest and be genuine and, you know, don't BS people and, and tell them a bunch of lies. Just, just be honest. That's the most important thing, I think. Well, I happen to agree. You're not going to get an argument with me. I'm on this part anyway. <laughs> well, we are about at the end. Um, do you have anything you'd like to promote besides your books, which can be found on Amazon.com? The Geek's Guide to a Strange and Unusual Poltergeist, Ghosts, and Demons, and Behold, the Shocking True Tales of Terror, and some of other spooky stuff, which he made his, his son use for his work for the book of the year. <laughs> yeah, you can also find uh, me at SpookyIsles.com. Mm-hmm. And if you want to, you know, find me on Facebook, I post regularly. Um, I'm here com- coming up very soon. I'm going to be moving out of the Chicagoland area and start writing more on places across the United States mm-hmm. concerning hauntings. So, you know, if you want to just send me a friend request, you can find me. It's just Rick Hale, or you can find me uh, through your Facebook page. And Tracy101 will probably be doing that right now. Okay. <laughs> so she says she says, I really love to read your books. She's very interested in the field of, of okay. uh, paranormal investigations. So, well, I thank you very much for agreeing to be on the show. And okay. hopefully um, I'll get you back when I read your books. And okay. it does it does take me a while because I'm not a great reader of books. I love books, but they somehow put me to sleep. But some books don't. So let's see what yours do. But okay. when I do, then 2020, I'll be knocking on your door again. Come on, hey. <laughs> like, oh no, not her again. Shut the door. So I thank you very much, and um, I will see everybody next week when my guest is Tina Perry Duchesne, and hopefully I'm pronouncing her right name right. Glad that you had such an easy name to pronounce because I'm really good at butchering names. And I will see everybody next week. And uh, y'all be good. If you can't be good, don't call me for bad money. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Thank you. All right. Bye.